0: Wake up! Wake up. Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! Come on! Come on! Wake up! Wake up! Wake up.
1: Wake Up 502, what's going down? Is happening. Uh, what in the world is going on? It is Saturday, December 10th, year of our Lord 2022. It is going down. This is Wake Up 502. Rashawn Myers, and I am absolutely flabbergasted that we are sitting here having the show this beautiful Saturday morning. My goodness, what a difference a week makes, and we are going to talk about it. All oh, it is going down. Big Air Sports Radio 96.1 FM uh, to be joined shortly uh, by my man Haven Harrington. Uh, we'll be joining in. I, I definitely uh, want to get Haven's uh, thoughts on everything going on. Uh, hopefully Joe Kelly will be joining us as well. Uh, chit-chatted with him uh, this morning, but just an absolutely uh, insane Insane turn of events as we welcome back uh, the great one himself, Mr. Jeff Brom, taking over as the new head coach of the University of Louisville football program. Uh, you know, it, it's to this. You know, they always talk about like uh, you know, a butterflies' wings flapping on one side of the world can make like a tsunami happen on the other side of the world, stuff like that. Like, I feel like that's what we were dealing with. With this whole Jeff Brom situation, like, I I don't really know how we got here. I don't really know how all this occurred, but, like, some kind of way we got it done. uh, And and we are sitting here at Louisville football, and we are in a completely new uh, place and a position. uh, And and it's exciting. It's very, very exciting. Uh, And and I cannot wait to talk about it. Uh, Haven Harrington is uh, popping in there. I I see him. Getting into the saddle, uh, Haven. Uh, how you doing, brother? Man, doing good. Doc, how about yourself? Man, I I am flabbergasted. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't even know what ha- what happened. Like I still, I'm still trying to figure it out. Like this is one of those weeks, Haven, where you kind of just like retrace everything because it's just so crazy how everything went down. You know what I mean? Like, man, Josh Hurd <laughs> pulled like the rabbit out of his hat. Unbelievable.
2: Uh, on this one. Just unbelievable.
1: So, so Haven, before we get into the, the, the particulars, uh, you know, I first want to get this show started off by, A, uh, telling you that, that you need to take a bow. I, I, I think back to, I believe it was what, what, Charlie left in what, 2016? Was it 20, 2016, 2015? Which one no, was no, it? No, 2015. I think it was 2015. So I think back to, to 2015, um, you know, when, when Charlie Strong, was uh, heading to Texas and they they made the announcement that that he was gone and he was leaving. Uh and there was a lot of discussion about where Louisville goes now because you know people were kind of shocked that Charlie took that job. And you know there was a lot of discussion going on and of course there was conversation ab- about bringing back Bobby Petrino who had uh, kind of um you know got had a good good go of it um and uh what yeah, was Western Kentucky mm-hmm. and a- and you said, you know what, I don't want Bobby to come back. And, you know, pretty much everybody was on the, you know, yes, we know Bobby's a jerk, and yes, Bobby's done a lot of stuff. But, hey, you know, Louisville's got a, a, a odd chance. It seems like somebody's going to pick him up. Might as well be us. And you, Haven, to your credit um, on main event sports, um, said you know what, I don't want Bobby back. It's like I, I think that, you know, go, bringing back Bobby – uh, you know, it's kind of like bringing back the old girlfriend after she did you wrong or whatever, uh, and that—that's old news. I want Jeff Brom, and at the time, Jeff Brom, you know, was was st- you know still uh, the co- you know coordinator. Not really had his opportunity. Of course, he took over at Western Kentucky, and we know how that went. But you were literally, I think, the first person uh, to mention Jeff Brom. At the Louisville job, like as in an actual, you know, in hiring capacity. Of course, when Jeff was here as the offensive coordinator with Bobby, uh, you know, the first time around, then people thought about, you know, of course, what he could do uh, with this. But you were the first person when the job was actually open to say, you know what, it's time now. So when I think back, that you know, seven, eight years ago, you were talking about Jeff Brown being the guy, and it was kind of like, yeah, yeah, may, may not right now, you know, calm down. But and now. Fast forward, it yeah. happened, and it was all you. You was the first one. How's that feel? Man, you know what that's
2: that's, that's what I do <laughs> it's, it's just what I do. Like like football's my thing, and you know, I recognize talent, and I knew Jeff when Nick Saban wanted Jeff to come to Alabama to be his offensive coordinator, I was like, okay, he's ready. yeah, he's ready. We're the greatest football coach of all time. Openly courts you to be his offensive coordinator. You're ready, yeah. And I, I know he followed. He followed Bobby to Arkansas, followed him to Western, and you know Louisville's had a great track record with taking assistant coaches, hiring them as head coaches, and they being taken to the next level. You know we did it with with Bobby 1.0, right? Yeah, offensive coordinator. He was here one year with John L. He took an offense from one of the worst offenses uh in the country under Ron Cooper to the number one ranked offense in the country in a in a year. Yeah. And that was enough right there for, you know, Tom George to be like, you know, when John L left, all right, Bobby's gonna be the man. When we hired Charlie Strong, Charlie Strong had never been a head coach uh in our uh, in his career. You know, he's interviewed Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. I mean, he interviewed almost, I think, every school in SEC, right? And they all turned him down. But, you know, he had built South Carolina's uh, defense when uh, the former Notre Dame coach was there, Lou Holtz. Right. You know, we saw what he did with Florida's defense. Mm -hmm. He was Florida's recruiting coordinator, so we knew, you know, he had defensive talent. You know, he can run a defense because Urban Meyer pretty much left him alone to run that defense in Florida. And you know we hired him as head coach, and the rest is history. So I was like, you know, yeah, Brahms ready. You know, Brahms that next super hot young coordinator that we that we need to get on now.
1: Yeah, and I was not on that train. I was like, hey, when you're out of your mind. If Louisville's got a chance to get Bobby, you take Bobby. Like. You know, look at what he does, look at what he did the first time around, look at, you know, the heights of success that he brought us around to. And, you know, like I I wasn't hearing it. So, like I said, you know, this is not something I'm not taking any, (laughs) any This is all you. And so you were the first person when I heard that, you know, uh, it was actually happening because, you know, there's always that. You know, we, of course, heard the I don't know if if Josh Hurd is like some sort of like Jedi master. And he like called the, the uh, Cincinnati AD and, and was like, you will take Scott Satterfield. And <laughs> I will take Scott Satterfield. I don't know if it was one of those things. But once I heard that Cincinnati was hiring Scott Satterfield, I immediately thought about Brown. But, of course, you have that whole. Is he actually going to take it? You know what I mean. Like, you don't really know. You you think that you know, especially after everything that happened with him coming back to Louisville last summer and having the you know being part of whatever little luncheon or whatever that was going on here in the city. And he openly just basically said, you know, I'd love to come back here and coach at some point. Like to do that as a sitting Power Five head coach, it was very odd to do that. But after that happened, I was like, oh hell, he's going to definitely take that job whenever it comes open. You
2: know, here's the thing, like. Jeff always wanted to coach Louisville. Like, like this is his dream job. Yeah. And the only reason he didn't take it the first time, I believe, was he he was only at Purdue, what, like two years at the time? Yeah. He just brought in the class, uh, and he, he was very loyal and dedicated to those guys he brought in because he would just, it was still like a job not finished yet, right? Right. Fast forward a couple of years. He's been there, I think, a total of six years now. Six years. He just took Purdue to the Big Ten championship game. Yes, they got trounced by Michigan, but he got him there. Yes, they had an 8-4 record with some head-scratching losses, but he got him there, right? Yes. Yes, he only has a 500 record, a little bit of one game above 500 record at Purdue, the same as just one game above 500 that uh, that Scott has here, but he took him to, like, the championship game. So he maxed out Purdue. Yes. His job was done. He he maxed out Purdue. It's time to come home. Yeah. It's I, time to come home. And and,
1: and once we knew it was happening and, and it, it it was announced well, I don't know if it was Brett McMurphy or whoever first announced that it was actually Pete uh yeah, it's Pete. It Pete Thamel. Yeah, the, who who announced? No, Pete Thamel's the one. I thought I thought Thamel was the one who announced that Sad was leaving. But regardless of the fact, when it came across Twitter that it was actually done and that the decision had been made, of course Josh Heard said he, they were going to do a national search and do all this and that. In the third, it was like okay, now like I, I appreciate wanting to do a national search, but you know we all know. Who this needs to be, uh, and once it was actually officially done, it, you you came to mind, and I was just like, you know, this is Haven's day, and, and I tell you what, Haven, Brom is, su- like, it's almost unbelievable how good a fit it is, and, and I say that for a few reasons. Not only is he a guy who values, um, you know, the Louisville football program, he's a he's a former alumni, he's a great, he's an outstanding coach, but. When you look at the style of play, he checks the box in terms of style, uh, box in terms of style of play of what you want to see. It's exciting, you know, throwing the ball all around. It's it's you know the Louisville tradition of what we know, you know, kind of that you know you know uh, Brahms away, if you will. You know, what I'm saying they they like to throw the football. It's going to be an entertaining style. But then also he checks a box from the passion and energy that he coaches with because one of the things about Satterfield that people always hated was that he was always that kind of all shucks kind of understated, you know, never really got on the officials, um, was not, you know, really boisterous in press conference. He wasn't a big rah-rah guy. And Brom checks that box as well. He's a fiery coach. He's going to get on your officials. He's going to give impassioned speeches. I mean, literally, I don't know if there's another coach that's a better fit for Louisville, and Brom checks pretty much every box.
2: There's one other guy.
1: Yes. (laughs) Oh,
2: <laughs> and he's a Colorado right now.
1: <laughs> I, I knew you was gonna say that. Hey, that's my first choice. I know, I know. Hey, and and while I I love brother Prime dearly, if I had my choice between Prime, like you couldn't go wrong with Prime, getting Prime here, but me personally, I'm taking Jeff just because I know Jeff can coach. I, this is the same conversation that we had with another coach <laughs> that took over in this city. And while I love Prime, I love his bravado, I love his his uh, energy. Uh, you know, I I wanted to err on the side of having a guy that I know can do the job, and that's the thing. Jeff Brom. The most interesting thing about Jeff Brom is that he took what Bobby Petrino taught him, and then like put it on steroids. Well, the thing is, like you know, Jeff has played for or
2: coached with like the greatest coaches in little football history. Yeah. Granted, that's like two guys, but still. Yeah. Uh <laughs>
1: but I mean, hey. But you know he he played for Howard Stellenberger. Yes. And coached for Bobby. He he played under Stellenberger, he coached for Bobby, and then he had to learn how to coach in the Big Ten. And that was an interesting thing during his press conference that I didn't even think about until he was talking about it. But the fact that, yeah, he came from a past happy set. Like he 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 learned under a coach that was hard nosed, physical, you know, had an edge, gave his team that edge. And that gave Brian, or Jeff a edge as just in his personality and the, the, his coaching style. It gave him that edge, that feistiness. But then he learned under Bobby, you know, the ability to be a beautiful play caller and just be very imaginative and, and, and you know, can just, just script all types of unbelievable offensive packages. But I think the fact, Haven, that he spent the last six years in the Big Ten in a very physical, rough, you know, pound away defensive cold weather football league. I actually think that makes him a better coach because not only have you learned to be, you know, you you grew up as the kind of the pretty play caller, but now you know and appreciate the need to be physical, to be tough, to have your big, strong, you know, physical lines on both the offensive and defensive line because that's how you win in the Big Ten, right? Like you have to have that. So, like, I think that that this time that he's had at Purdue – Probably makes him even better off than when Louisville, if Louisville would have got him straight out of uh, Western Kentucky.
2: Well, he also learns the value of running the ball more, yeah, you know because Jeff is a, is a pass first runs run third type of guy, right? Right? Well, Bobby was the opposite. you know, a lot of people thought that Bobby had to pass up the offense, but Bobby ran the ball like 60, 70 percent of the time. Bobby was a run first and, and build a play you know and build off a play action pass. That was Bobby's offense. So, what the Big Ten taught him was, yes, toughness on the lines, but more importantly, you got to run the ball. Yeah. You got to run the ball, and sometimes you got to line up and get that hard yard, right? Yes. Which is something that, you know, look at Scott's tenure. Scott always had a, a problem with that, 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 that hard yard, right? You know, we're on a goal line. That's probably, you know, our, our, our goal line offensive line in, unless it's running down somebody's throat. Right. You know, the, that's mentality, right? Yes.
1: That, I mean, that makes me so happy Louisville's going to actually have, like, a real fullback. <laughs> like, but,
2: yeah, you know, you got I who can pound to. the ball in. On, on, yes, you, know, you,
1: got, you got to.
2: When it's third and one or fourth and one, you need that hard
1: yard. You know, you got to be able to just run it down somebody's throat. That always drove me insane. Like, I mean, that's one thing that drove me insane when John L. was here, and it drove me insane when Scott was here, is that you got inside the the, the 10 and the 5, and you know, you're so married to this pistol and this spread and the shotgun that you get down there and then you can't run the football because you don't have a damn fullback. You're not putting a full Like, people say that the fullback's passe, that you don't need it, especially, you know, at the NFL level. But guess what? If you're going to get that hard yard, if you're inside the three and you need to run it, guess what the NFL does? They still line up and run the ball. Like, you have to be able to have that lead blocker, you know, to be able to get it done. And and that's one of the, the the main things that I know that's a small, ridiculous thing, but I cannot stand spread coaches because they act like because you're a spread coach, you can't, you know, understand that goal line is pretty much goal line. It it is what it is. That you know, that they, they never want to sacrifice their system. I know that's goofy to say, but no, I'm I am so happy. Um, that this is where Louisville's at. It's unbelievable that we're talking about this, you know, a week removed from our last show. And, of course, if you want to get involved, you got uh, the best way, of course, is to reach us out Reach out to us on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. That's 502-414-1450. You can also give us a call in um, on the Wake Up 502 Buzz line, 502-384-1450 as well. We'd love to get your thoughts on that because, Haven, I mean, it's, it's something. That now uh, it's about the business of of building a team, right? Like like getting those well, coordinators. Yeah, so so in now
2: there. it's about keeping the class. Yes. Going to the transfer portal and getting another quarterback. Yes. Uh, making sure the California crew still comes through with Clarkston and all those guys. Uh, you know that, that those, those guys still coming. You know, he he's lost a couple of guys already. Like Reuben Owens has transferred to Texas A and M. He committed to Texas A and M. Uh, which actually for him may be a better situation. I
1: mean, that wasn't a shock, right? Like, people that were, no, like, getting upset I mean, about that. Like I'm,
2: I mean, he got committed <laughs> literally, like, within hours of decommitting, he committed Texas A&M, and then lo and behold, Texas A&M is going out and interviewing Bobby Petrino.
1: That's crazy, right?
2: To be the offensive coordinator. So I will say this. What do you that, think about that? Do you like that? I love that. Yeah, I, I mean, too. Jimbo is in trouble. Yeah. They're paying Jimbo $10 million a year, and they, Texas A&M thought, okay, now – we got our guy, right? He just won national championship with Florida State. He's winning SEC. He's gonna make us competitive with Alabama, the LSU's. the Brian Kelly, of the world. you know,
1: Brian Kelly came down last year. Kelly came in and just took everybody's lunch.
2: Yeah. So now you That know, makes
1: Jimbo look bad. Well, Jimbo's been below average. Yeah.
2: The past know like he had he had one good year when he first got down there. And then he's just been like seven and four. Uh You know, he's just been like an average of of seven and five. Yeah. You know, eight and four. You know, he has not lived up to the hype, especially with as much money as Texas A&M has. Yeah. The the recruiting ground. I was going
1: to say they had the number one recruiting class like last year two years ago, right?
2: Yeah, and and nothing's materialized. you got to do something. So why not get one of the greatest offensive play callers in college football and Bob Petrino? And, hey, you got to do it. Now, Now, look. Those guys got probably going up fist fight at halftime of the first game <laughs> because you now Bobby is, but still, you know, he's one of the greatest play callers. He's desperate. You, you, you got to get him. You, yeah. got,
1: you don't have a choice. I agree. So, you know, I, I know a lot of people around here, you know, Bobby. <laughs> Bobby's name is a, is a curse word around there for some, but, you know, what? we've always had much love for Bobby, so, you know. Now, I, I will say this. For all you guys out there still looking for head coaches,
2: and this head coach's spots open up, Dark uh, Dark Horse. Cadillac Williams from Auburn—that guy can coach. I'm telling you right now. Okay, Cadillac Williams is going to be the next superstar coach coming out if he, if he gets opportunity. You know, it's hard. To, it's hard for brothers to get head coaching opportunities. Yeah, in college football. But I'm telling you right now, that guy right there. Is the real deal? I Think he's got the stuff.
1: Okay. Well, so so of course, like as, as we were saying about with, with Ruben Owens. I mean, first of all, Satterfield was a sixty percent run guy. Um, you know, where where Brom is definitely more known uh, for the uh, forward pass than he is running the football. So I mean, it's uh, it's understandable. Like people that were kind of gnashing teeth and getting all upset about Ruben Owens. Yes, I know the being able to say you know we have the number one running back in the class. Uh, you know, yes, that is a huge feather in your cap. But at the end of the day, are you? Really worried about a running game with the way that, that Brom, I mean, Brom literally took a freshman two-star running back this year, and the kid ran for 900 plus yards. Has a chance to go over a thousand yards in the bowl game, <laughs> and you know that was pretty much you know uh, you know not not trying to, to diss the young man, but you know pretty much a, a nothing nobody recruit. I mean, that's the power of having Jeff. Right? Is that he can scheme anything with his spread ability, his ability to spread you out um and attack from all angles he's gonna have success running the football especially when there's talent i mean when you look at the opportunity to have jahar jordan uh maurice turner who's a guy who was kind of forgotten about but was a four-star uh you know running back himself uh c- coming out and by some services anyway a high, high three-star four-star guy um I think Louisville will be fine, and they'll add a running back to this class. I mean, so I, I'm not necessarily worried about the Ruben Owens thing. Like, like is that something that you feel is a humongous loss, or, or are you, you know, on the same page with me?
2: Uh, You know what? I think it's a loss, but I also think it's one of those things that, that can be overcome, right? Yeah. Because we have talent here already. Uh, and like you mentioned, Gerard Jordan, who, was, who just balled out, you know, the last couple of weeks of the season. Uh, so, you know, we have guys here that we can work with. Um. So I'm. I'm not. I'm not too worried about that. To me, it's all about you know trying to get that quarterback that's going to stand in for a year. While you get Clarkston right now, I will say this: I'm. I'm really excited if Clarkston stays to see what he can do. Yeah. Under Jeff Brom's tutelage, you know, I was. I was happy Sat was able to bring in these guys, but I was never convinced. Yeah. That Satterfield was going to be able to coach him up, right? I was still kind of like on the fence. Which is sad because when there's a guy going to his fifth year, like you should know if he can coach up talent or not, right?
1: Yeah, you would think,
2: right? Like you would think, say, okay, can this guy coach <laughs> up talent? But I don't know. Yeah. And and, and from listening to like, uh, like like reading comments from Malik Cunningham's dad on Twitter,
1: yeah, I don't think so, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that that, that, is, that, is, that is, you know, it was very interesting. And we're going to get into that on the other side. Kind of, you know, A, I want to get into the whole Clarkson conversation. Uh, I want to get into that with you. But then I also want to get into kind of some of the reactions around it because it was very interesting, uh, you know, the way some of the social media reactions happened with both. Uh, Jeff Brom, as well as Scott Satterfield leaving. So we're going to get into that much, much more. Definitely want to hear your thoughts. Give us a, a text in, 502-414-1450. Would love to hear from you. 384 uh, 1451 and to give us a call in on the Wake Up 502 buzz line as well. Uh, you are listening to Wake Up 502. Rashawn Myers, Haven Hanson, coming to you. And we'll be back on Big Exports Radio. Yeah, where well, we need, you. Yeah,
3: well, we need you.
1: Just wonderful, isn't it? Like when 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 things just come together just in, in, in amazing ways, it just makes everything so much better. I mean, just just beautiful. Jeff Brom is back at Louisville. I'm still I I still don't even believe it. Real talk. Like it it is it is it is just crazy. But of course, we already have the 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 Thornton's text line is absolutely jumping already this morning. Continue to keep those texts rolling in. If you want to give us a call, 502-384-1450 as well. We would love to chit-chat with you. But we are going uh, to the text line because we got them uh, jumping in this morning. Uh, The first texter says, uh, good morning, wake up 502. He said, well, we brought Brom home. Now it's time to bring Rick back. (laughs) He said, I want a coach who knows how to win basketball games, not whatever it is KP is doing. I'm not joking. Love the show, guys. First of all, thank you so much. Appreciate the text in Haven. Haven, I, I just want to let y'all know, like it's a lot of things. Like, I, of course, I, I'm the the producer, so I'm doing all types of things in the background while all this stuff is going on. And Haven just walked into the into the production room. and Was like, can we not talk about basketball today? <laughs> Haven, you sound so sad. I mean, it's something to talk about. <laughs> I know. I know. So, look, I know that in my tweet out uh, before the show, I, you know, we did mention UofL is going down to Tallahassee uh, to, to Haven's old stomping grounds. Uh, to take on the FSU knows today. So that is happening. So we did give you the update on that. But a lot like the last game, I did not send a tweet out during like y'all know that I'm a big time tweeter. Um and that's at Rashawn R A A S H A A N, by the way. Uh you can check out Haven at ME Sports um on Twitter as well. But y'all know I'm a big time tweeter. I didn't even tweet during the last game. Like I didn't I did not send one tweet. I just sat there and kind of watched the game quietly just because it's kind of depressing to keep tweeting kind of the same things. So uh, until they give me a reason to actually mention them on social media, um, I'm only going to pretty much talk about news updates, and I'll discuss the fact that, you know, either they won or, or, or they lost um, – but yeah outside of that Haven I, I'm kind of with you. So yeah don't, don't worry. I'm I'm not going I'm not going to kill the man today. I'm not going I'm not going to do it. Uh, Haven Haven was so moving with the way he came in here looking like, you know, a sad little puppy dog that, that I'm not going to do it. <laughs> uh, but we're going to go back to the uh Thornton's text line as well. Uh 502-441-1450. Uh, texter says, "Loving the show, guys." He says, "I agree with keeping the California guys in the fold, but I want to keep the o line guys as well." Uh, also has anyone explore the potential recruits that Brom could fill up that previously committed to Purdue. Um, If they uh, were good enough for the Big Ten, uh, then they could serve us well. Great show, brothers. Uh, And then gave us the strong 100 and fire emojis. I love it. First of all, thank you so much uh, for texting in. Please uh, text again. I think it's the first text uh, that you had sent in. Uh, But, no, I I totally agree with you. Um, There is um, a big-time defensive lineman uh, that is committed to um, Purdue, um, four-star. It's the the highest-rated prospect for Purdue. Um, He's actually uh, tweeted out um, right after Brom was announced, uh, as the new coach of U of L, he actually sent a tweet out of him in U of L gear. Um, so, I mean, anytime Haven, can I interest you in in a four star uh, defensive lineman uh, that that was a Big Ten commitment? Actually, I think if I'm not mistaken, Purdue had
2: four four star defensive linemen.
1: Well, uh, uh, well, uh, you know, uh, committed. I, I, you know, I am I am an avid. Uh, uh, user uh, of the Cardinal Authority, of course, our boy jo- Jody Dimling over there does a one, wonderful job. Uh, so you know, let's let's go ahead and just see what's happening with Purdue's uh, ranking. So Kendrick uh, Kendrick Gilbert um, from Cathedral uh, in Indianapolis, um, he is the uh, he shows as the only four star commitment um, right now. Now there are a couple of high three star guys uh, are, uh, that are also a part of the class, which are the second and third highest commitments. Uh, for for Brom and they are also defensive linemen. So Kendrick Gilbert is the young man who actually tweeted out uh, with the U of L gear on. So that kind of gets me excited. Um, if we could, you know, add a guy like that. But Micah Carter, um, who is a, a commitment from uh, Louisville St. X, um, he is also a defensive lineman. Um, you know, kind of in that that edge rusher size of 6'5", uh, 260. Um, you know, you 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 like that size. You like the ability to put on, you know, put on some weight. And then Sadiq Clements, well, I believe uh, is all of
2: Purdue's commits are like over six four.
1: Yeah, yeah. He he's a, he's another 6'5", 260. So some big, some guys, you know, that have some size um, on them. Uh, all three of those young men, the uh, linemen, are all six five. Um, so you like that. You like the size. You like the ability to put on some weight. And both of those guys are, are high three stars, um, you know, by two so two four seven sports. Um, so yeah, the, I think those those would absolutely be takes. Uh, wouldn't you agree with that?
2: Of course. And it's not including guys coming through the portal that you can possibly grab, uh, such as the former four star quarterback who's now residing in West Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, who put his name in a portal. I mean, that's like, I watched his highlight film uh, yeah, yesterday. Yeah, Austin, Austin Reed. Austin, yeah, I watched his highlight film on YouTube yesterday. The man has a cannon. He's not the most mobile guy, but Brom likes his uh, pocket passers. Yes. And he's your prototypical super tall, strong arm. Pocket Passer.
1: Absolutely, and Madden Sanker, that goes without saying um, that, you know, the four-star offensive lineman, I definitely, of all the offensive linemen that Louisville has, Luke Burgess and Madden Sanker are two guys that I definitely want to see stay a part of uh, the recruiting class, of Flyville 23. Hopefully that happens, fingers and toes crossed. Um, But, yeah, the California guys, um, you know, it all starts with Pierce Clarkson. Um, He's been an unbelievable um, recruiter and just kind of face. Of the Flyville 23 class, we know that um, Jeff Brom is flying out to California um, for for the uh, uh, St. Don Bosco uh, state championship game today. So he'll be there checking out Piliers, uh, Pierce Clarkson, uh, Jaleel McLean, uh, Aaron Williams, and those guys. Um, so you know, and of course DeAndre Moore. Um, but I will say this: I know a lot of people wonder, uh, and I've heard it. Um, is Pierce Clarkson a guy that can fit in the Jeff Brom offense? Um, is he, you know, as you said, Haven? He loves his big. Staff statuesque um, uh, pocket passers. But I I tell you what, one of the biggest misnomers about about Pierce Clarkson is that he's just this guy who wants to run. People kind of conjure up in their minds thoughts of Malik Cunningham, you know, who was a guy who came in with the reputation of a dual-threat quarterback. Of course, Pierce Clarkson is rated as the number one dual-threat quarterback in college, uh, you know, in the 23 class. Okay? Um, But I'm going to tell you what. Pierce Clarkson only rushed for a little over 300 yards. (laughs) <laughs> this past year for uh, Don Bosco. So, he was very much a pocket passing quarterback. Now, is he a guy with elite athleticism? Absolutely. But he's not a guy that's looking to get out there and do everything with his legs. He's not a 1000-yard, you know, 1500-yard, 2000-yard rusher like Malik Cunningham was coming out of Alabama. He's a young man that likes to stay in the pocket and deliver the football down the field. Like
2: think Teddy Bridgewater, right? Like everybody yes. tried to
1: like everybody tried to They tried to call him a dual threat coming uh, dude, out and, of uh, and, and, I mean, Teddy
2: was nowhere near a dual threat quarterback. Could he run? If he had to, yeah. Yes, he I mean, was a pocket passer, and Clarkson's kind of like Teddy
1: Bridgewater. But he's got a lot more athleticism. Like Pierce is a, an elite athlete. Like, don't get it twisted. There's a reason why he's the number one guy. Um, you know, but he is basically a pocket passer with elite athleticism, and you know, certain guys that look certain ways get labeled as dual threat guys but to say to anyone who's wondering yes absolutely you want pierce clarks to be a part of this uh recruiting class because he is a guy you compared him to another quarterback who was the quarterback that you said uh pierce reminds you of you said somebody and i can't remember who you compared him to but i thought it was like a spot-on comparison do you remember we were we were having a chit chat about it. Oh
2: dang damn it, my <laughs> I, I just went blank.
1: No, I can't you you. It was like the perfect. We're gonna put a pin in that. Like put think about that one because it was such a good um, comparison. Um, you know w- w- when you talked about Pierce, but yeah, I, I think that he fits and checks all the boxes. So absolutely, I want the California guys um, to be a part um, of this recruiting class. Of course, DeAndre Moore. Uh, you know it was funny. Uh, while I thought that Louisville, when Sat was still here, was in a good spot with Reuben Owens, there was a lot of concern that DeAndre Moore was going to maybe flip and go to Georgia, maybe flip and go to Texas. And I know there's still an opportunity out there and the possibility that DeAndre Moore could go ahead and ultimately make that flip. But I feel with adding Jeff Brom, I actually think there's a better chance that Louisville's going to keep him with Brom than even it was with Sat. What do you think about that? It was a quarterback at USC. Oh, yes, Caleb Williams. Caleb yes, Williams. Exactly, yes. Like that's exa- Caleb Williams is as dynamic a runner as you will find at the quarterback position, in the same ilk as what Malik Cunningham was. But absolutely, Caleb Williams is a uh, pocket-passing quarterback that just happens to be a monster athlete. You know, and I think that is the that when you look at um, Pierce Clarkson, I'm not saying I know that, you know, uh, Caleb is about to go to New York and probably win the Heisman. So I'm not saying he's as good as Caleb Williams. So calm down. But that is absolutely the what the comparison of what I, I would say that you would want to look at the, the uh, quarterback at UCLA, um, DHR, same thing. Uh, you know, which is a guy who has elite athleticism, but is definitely a pocket passing quarterback. So, um, yes, I, I think that, that they would be great. ass. what do you think about that? I think that there's a better chance that DeAndre Moore comes to Louisville with Brom than even so with Satterfield. I would agree because of
2: Brom's offense and and Brom's ability to coach guys up. See, I don't think people like really really appreciate because like if you just look at Brom's record, yes, you say okay, we got some head scratching losses. He has head scratching losses every year, right? yeah every year his teams sometimes he seem to be kind of undisciplined he get a lot of useless little penalties uh, every now and then that, that happens right yes, but if if you look at it like if, if you look behind the numbers as as we like to say to delve deep into those numbers, you know one of the things you're going to find is and especially if, if you look at Purdue's recruiting classes, like when he first got there, he had a great recruiting class, and it's kind of going up and down because it's it's just hard to get elite level athletes. To West yet, right? It's, it's just hard to. So he's having to take guys like the quarterback now, who's a walk on, but make him an all Big Ten quarterback. You're the wide receiver caught like what, 26 passes last year at Iowa? Right. Had like 300 yards receiving. And this year he has almost what, like a thousand yards. I mean, he's like a thousand yards. No, yard
1: he, yeah, he's like, I mean, he's got like to Charlie, Charlie, I think it's Charlie Jones. He has like, like uh, fourteen hundred yards receiving. Yes, yeah, was like fifteen hundred yards that's right. receiving. It's
2: ridiculous. He went from three hundred yards to fifteen hundred <laughs> yards in one year, right? Yes. You know, a transfer of Iowa who who did you know pretty much just did nothing,
1: but under the Brahms system is like about to get drafted. I mean, that's why you're not worried about it. But that's also Haven and we talked about it. That's the thing that that intrigues you, because like if you look back at, at the look, these are the last. Uh, the recruiting rankings of the last four Purdue classes. So everybody who was a part of this past uh, year's team. In 2022, uh, Purdue had the 47th overall ranked uh, recruiting class in 2022. In 2021, Brom had the 75th overall ranked recruiting class in 2021. In 2020, uh, Purdue had... Let's see. Come on. There we go. Uh, 2020, they had the 34th overall ranked recruiting class. And in in, in, uh, the fourth class in 2019, uh, let's see, they had the 26th ranked class. So they only had one class that you would consider really good. Okay, the uh, two of the classes were, you know, Mid to below average uh, for a Power Five team, and then one decent class. But what gets you excited about Brom is that he took what you would consider to be, you know, middling talent to low talent for a Power Five team, and look at what he turned them into. You know, a Big Ten, Big Ten West champion, a team that was represented in the Big Ten championship game. Like, and that's what gets you excited is that Jeff Brom has been able to win at an elite level at a Power Five conference the second best conference in all of college football and he did it with low you know low to mid-level talent so imagine what he can do with the resources and the talent that's at the University of Louisville that's one of the reasons that we gave Scott Satterfield so much grief is because we knew there was talent there but it seemed like Scott tended to do less with more whereas Jeff Brom does more with less so if he can do more with less what can he do with more
2: you know? And, and 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 that's an intriguing thing, right? Like like that's what makes you so excited about about Brahm coming back. Like you know he can coach guys up, but now he's gonna have access to more talent than he's ever had at Western and that he's ever had at West Lafayette. So like what can he do now with this influx of talent? You know, like what can you do with the pipeline? Instead of having to recruit I mean, recruit he had one receiver. Kentucky. He
1: had one receiver, Haven. Yeah. And yeah. then he still put up points on everybody, and the dude had dang near, five, four, you know, 1,500 yards. You know, it's, it's like, like what What can
2: this guy do now that he's no longer recruiting just the Midwest, but now he knows he has to have pipeline to Florida and Georgia, right? Yeah. Like, we talked about this. like, Louis has always had a pipeline to Florida, and when Louis has been at his best, it's when we got guys from Florida to come here. Yeah, absolutely. What happens now that he has NIL money behind him, and he has access once again to that Florida
1: pipeline? I mean, like, like to bring stuff, in that like, type like, of talent, like you said, when you talk about Charlie, he was a three hundred yard guy um, at you know at, at Iowa, where you know wherever he was at the previous stop before he came to Purdue. It was at Iowa. It was at Iowa. But think about this: you're going to have Amari Huggins, Bruce. You're going to get back a healthy D. Wiggins. Uh, You know, you're going to have a a Chris Bell, a 6'5 physical receiver that, you know, really showed some promise as a freshman this year. Then you could bring in a DeAndre Moore. Uh, You know, you could bring in a Jaleel McClain, uh, a a William Foles from down in Miami. Like, what can he do (laughs) with all those weapons out on the field? Like, whew! Get your popcorn ready. Like, next, literally. That's, that's
2: next level talent. And,
1: and now you got Jahar Jordan in the backfield. You have Maurice Turner, two speed burners. Like, it's so funny because one guy that I thought about that um, you know, I really feel like Travion Cooley, who has not committed anywhere. He put his name in the portal. Travion Cooley is literally the perfect running back for a Jeff Brom system. And I know he put his name in, and I really feel like a big part of that was because the the writing was on the wall that Reuben Owens was coming in. And Reuben Owens was going to be the man for Louisville. And I feel like with Jahar Jordan there already and Travion being there, I feel like with Reuben Owens coming in, he felt like, you know what? This room's a little too crowded for me. What would you think about Travion Cooley deciding, you know what? I'm a great pass catcher. You know, Brom loves to use the, the the running back out of the backfield to catch the football. Now that Ruben Owens is at Texas A and M, what would you think about Travion coming back? Uh, you know what? He hasn't committed anywhere yet.
2: He hasn't, and neither has Ben Perry, who put his damn transfer portal and decided. You know what? I think I may play this bowl game after all.
1: I know Travion got a a a, a um a offer uh, from NC State, uh, which is back near his hometown. Uh, he was very excited uh, to get that, commi- uh, that um, offer from the Wolfpack uh, to transfer there, but he has not made a commitment. I would think that he's maybe thinking about I think that. he's looking hard. He's looking hard. I, I, I think right now the
2: co- members of the coaching staff will probably start contacting some of these guys to put the name in a portal and be like, are you sure you want to do this? Yeah. Like, this is what I've done. Like, this is what Satterfield
1: had you do. This is what I can do. Yeah. I mean, and now that there's no Ruben Owens, I, you know, the running back room is going to need at least two more backs. And with you coming back, you know, I, th- you know, I would think you would have – it would be you and Jahar Jordan would be the, the primary two guys. You know, like, if, if Cooley comes back, it's going to be the Cooley and Jordan show. And, and I think that that would be helpful for him. I know Robert and I just uh, committed to announce that he's going to be moving on from Syracuse and headed to NC State uh, to be a part of the Wolfpack program. Um, but I would, if I was Travion Cooley, Travion, I know you're a big listener of Wake Up 502 on Big x Sports Radio. All I'm going to say is, Travion, I think you need to think about and consider that. Just, well, just see, the off. thing is, like, the hype's infectious. Yeah. Right, the hype's infectious. And you can feel the energy flowing
2: through Cardinal Stadium. Like you can feel the energy flowing through the city and the program. Everybody's excited. Brown is back, right? Yeah. And the hype is overflowing to the players. And, and it will overflow to them because you just can't help it. So it's going to be interesting to see that what guys are like, yeah, you know, I think I will come back. Yeah, I will leave. What guys are still going to leave. I, I believe I have some more guys put the name in the portal. But it's going to be interesting, right? Especially on the defensive side because I wonder – how they're going to feel about Ron English, you know, kind of coming in and installing a, a different style of defense and how that's going to fit with the guys that we currently have. I, I To me, like, that's the most interesting part is is the defensive side of the football. Absolutely. Because no, I... about, about Jeff, you know, one of the things we always want about Jeff was can they play defense? You know, he had Nick Holt for the longest time as, as, as a defense coordinator – who was once again a tried and true Louisville guy? Uh, you know he was defense coordinator underneath uh, John L. Smith, and uh, you know coach one of my favorite Cardinals, Mike Brown. Yeah. Uh, Mike Brown swears by Nick Holt, and Nick Holt went to USC. He came back and he's been with you know Brom ever since. And then last thing was it last year, the year before last that uh, that Brom brought in uh, Ron English to be the co defensive coordinator. Yeah. Kind of what Bobby did when Bobby decided you know what well, my offense is good enough, but I'm never going to get to that next level if I can't stop people. And he brought in Mike Cassidy, right? And then he brought in Wolfhausen as co-defense coordinator Mm -hmm.
1: because Cassidy wasn't getting done on third down. Absolutely. You got sometimes I mean, and, and that's the that's what you have to do. Like one of the things about Scott Satterfield that I always felt like is that he was always slow to react to everything. I don't think we have to worry about you know with that man you know be, being on the sidelines now and Jeff Brom. And, and you know you talk about the hype building. Like think about this Haven. If, if it, it, like how can you not get hype for this dude right here?
0: Street
2: fight between the whistles. Street fight between
0: the whistles. Uh-huh. I got a street fight between uh-huh. the. Place-
1: uh-huh. Like how. <laughs> How can you not? How can I'm you not? I'm telling you,
2: and that's what I'm saying. That's what the This man of, is
1: not coming here to play games. And, and if it's and not working, what, to, you're gonna be on your way out.
2: And to be like, that's so exciting. It's like one, he got, you know he brought Ron English and it really improved produced defense last year. Yeah.
1: But English now, did a good job. Like English English gets a bad rap for, you know, what happened with with Louisville and the fact that he was tagged with Cragthorpe. but I'm not gonna put anything on anybody. <laughs> that was associated with Cragthorpe. Just like I don't put anything on the basketball players that happened last year with Chris Mack. Well, the thing is, like, I'm not gonna right, put that on. But things up like when Ron Cooper came here, he turned around the
2: defense underneath Cragthorpe, right? Yeah, he turned it around. He was a, he was a pretty good recruit on defense. Yeah. So that was be really interesting to see like what he can do with more talent. And see, and that's what's so scary about this staff because like you've never seen like we know how well Jeff can coach an offense. Yes. But we've never seen Jeff coach the offense with talent. Like with this much talent, right? Yes. you never seen Ron English coach a defense with this much potential talent. Well,
1: and that's the thing that we always gave credit to Satterfield and Brian Brown for is that they are very good coaches. This team is as fundamentally sound as any out there. That was never the issue was with their ability to, like, get guys together in terms of helping them with their fundamentals, their techniques. Even X's that and O's. That, you know, X's and O's. That was never the problem. So, that's – I agree with you. I, like, that is a huge, huge feather in your cap. You have a defense that turned the corner and now has a little swag and a little confidence, and, yes, you're losing Yaya. Yes, you're going to lose uh, Um Yes, you're going to lose some of those guys that have been there, but you still have a lot of talent there, you know. You still have guys like Ash and Gelati there. You still have a lot of, of pieces to work with. And, and now Ron English and Jeff Brom get to play with all those brand new toys. And they're going to probably bring some from Purdue as well.
2: And uh, I just want to take my hat off in condolences to the Cincinnati fan base. <laughs> I feel sorry for you guys uh, <laughs> but thank you for your sacrifice in order so this global program may live once again
1: <laughs> uh, before we go to break uh, one more texture into the uh, the wake up 502 or the Thornton's text line 414 1450 Text says um, I just discovered your show and I'm so glad that I have a local show to listen to on Saturday mornings well sir definitely appreciate it hopefully uh, you have enjoyed uh, what you've heard so far yeah uh, but we have we come back from the break man we yep. got to talk about the Cincinnati fan reaction. <laughs> oh, please, yes, absolutely. Yeah, we get to laugh. You know what? I have a feeling. I don't get. I don't care who wins the Fenway Bowl at this point. Um, we. I feel like Louisville's already won that. Like, I feel like we've already won. No, oh, you
2: know, no, 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 you know. Like, here's something. Like, you have to read if you get a chance to, and I. I may read some 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 choice tweets and quotes from from some of the fans on. Cincinnati's message boards and Twitter's account because literally outside of the barstool, the Bearcats barstool account, and Cincinnati's official football account, <laughs> nobody is happy. They're Scott. I mean, nobody. These guys wanted, they was like, just give us any random coordinator. I'd be more excited than this. Like,
1: like those are literally some of the quotes. Oh, gosh. You are listening to Wake Up 502. Rashad Myers, Haven Hair to take care of you. Big X Sports Radio, 96.1. Welcome back, welcome back, hour number two, Big X Sports Radio, Wake Up 502 with Rashawn Myers, joined as always by my man Haven Harrington, uh, just some feel good grooves today, y'all, that's what, That's how everybody in the city is feeling good, we got no problems, everybody's living that Hakuna Matata life, you know what I'm saying, no worries, at least for a week. We got a, a, a breather uh, from everything that's going on on that basketball court. Um, so, you know, that's very, very exciting. Of course, I do want to remind everybody, if you want to uh, come get with the Wake Up 502 crew live, you can always come out to 21st in Germantown every Saturday afternoon, 4 to 6 p.m., 1481 South Shelby Street. Uh, we'll be out there talking about all the news of the day. We'll be talking more about Jeff Brown. We'll be talking about uh, that Louisville basketball team. Of course, they, they, their game uh, tips off at 1 o'clock this afternoon, so we'll be able to discuss the aftermath of what happens down there in Tallahassee and much, much more. Uh, So definitely uh, just want to give a shout out. Make sure you check out our good friends over at 21st and Germantown again, 1481 South Shelby Street, uh, for all the best in food, entertainment, entertainment. Karaoke, uh, everything—they literally do everything over there. Twenty-first in Germantown, so definitely want to give them a shout out. But I tell you what, we're going to go ahead and hop on the uh, Wake Up Five Hundred Two Buzz Line. Got our man Jay Hash checking in. Jay, how you doing this morning, brother? Good
4: morning. Good morning,
1: gentlemen. How you doing, man? Excited, man. I had, had an amazing week, brother. So I, I can't complain. Hey, hey, <laughs> what's the matter
0: with
4: you? <laughs> hey, that's classic, oh, ain't it? Going on? A whole lot of stuff going on in the streets. Yeah, you know it absolutely. The streets, the streets are talking. Okay, well they are. About what? Haven Harrington. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Just fine, Jay. How about yourself, sir? (laughs) Let let me get real quick to this thing, real quick. This topic we're about is Deion Sanders, uh, this opportunist uh, had going to Colorado. Yes, one of the biggest five star programs in, in college football. Um, there was some stuff that was 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 talked about uh Deion Sanders across this country, local and, and internationally as well too. Yeah. Why is it that people are angling Deion Sanders saying that his opportunities was was a shutdown and and player hating or whatever situation it may be. Family has to eat. At the end of the day, that man has a family. Uh, he is Deion Sanders. He's done what he's done for that HBC. Uh, he did more than what he's done for it and, and made great progress with them young men on the, on the field and off the field. Um, and these kids has got total respect for Deion Sanders. But, but the streets don't have respect for Deion Sanders. Why is that, Haven Harrington?
2: You know... Please just say that because I, I, I've i been thinking about this quite a bit. <laughs> and I saw some of the uproar that happened, uh, was it about last week sometime? Oh, yeah. As, as, as as uh, as as I, I think it was last week when he took the job. Yeah. And I, I believe like Reverend Cosby sent a tweet out talking about that he wanted uh He hope he loses. Yeah, hope he loses. <laughs> and, hope, and hope Dion fails at, at, at Colorado, right? And there's been some other folks kind of got mad at, at Dion called him a sellout and all these other things for – for leaving uh Jackson State to go to Colorado, you know he's he went he was like making three hundred thousand a yes. year at Jackson State so yes. going to make about five million a year at, at Colorado, so that's a big jump up but now, now here's the thing so I understand why people are upset that Dion left jackson state i i I completely understand probably more than some right like more than the average uh-huh. fan, I understand because like my family, especially my mom's side of family, has been like an integral part of of keeping Float A&M like the second largest HBCU afloat about this thought it's, thought it's mm-hmm. history, right? I got yearbooks going back over a hundred years, and Rashawn has yeah. seen them. Oh yeah, about FAMU. Yeah. So I, I understand the plight of your HBCUs, right? So I, I understand why Reverend Cosby and other folks are, are upset that that Dion is leaving, I, it's, it's especially after Dion himself, when he first took the job at. At Jackson State, you know, he said and the Lord had sent him, had mm-hmm. called him to come and to come down to Jackson State to resurrect HBCU football, you know, to bring a spotlight to HBCUs and and things of that nature. And you know, three years later, he's he's going to Colorado. Mm-hmm. I I know I, I get it. I, I understand because you know as a as a fan of HBCU football, right? Like you never want your best and your brightest to leave, like. You want to keep your best and brightest there to show that there's still value in HBCU football, right? Because if we're honest, like if we are being if we're completely honest, most people in sports media and even other football coaches consider HBCU football to be a step above high school football. Of course, literally, just they they consider it to be a step above high school football. I mean, a lot of a lot of uh, HBCUs are division two, and even other division two schools teams. Mm-hmm. Consider HBC uh-huh. football to be beneath them, right? And so, some, yeah. some of the problems you have as being an HBCU, an HBCU football coach is that once you become an HBCU football coach, you're stuck at that level. Okay. Like, like nobody else is going to come get you. You're stuck being an HBCU football coach because people think that you're just an overglorified high school coach. Even the Division two schools will not look at you. Uh, case in point, the brother who coaches at South Carolina State, right? Uh, Deion Sanders is 27-5. and five. Mm-hmm. Two to three of those losses have occurred to South Carolina State. One of those was in the HBCU championship game where South Carolina State completely waxed Jackson State. I mean, last year, they waxed Jackson State last year. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That brother can't sniff a head coaching job outside of, uh, I think he was off like another HBCU job, but, but nobody else is, is going to look at him. Willie Simmons for FAMU. Yes, sir. FAMU for the past four or five years since he, since Willie Simmons has been there, young guy. Uh, but FAMU has been at the very top of HBCU football since he's been there for the past three or four years. At the top.
0: But,
4: hey, let me ask you this real quick, man. It's just that there's so much controversy with this with this man, Deion Saylor, one of the best NFL players that ever played a game. Um from Stephen L. Smith from ESPN from the rest of the guys who's commentating and critiquing on um, Deion Sanders his opportunities of going to a white institution. I look at it as an opportunities that is a blessing to have in your system that you still can do coaching at a higher advance advancement, a program like that. And Rashawn Myers and me and you've been dialoguing for the last week or so about yes, sir. the round ball with Kenny Payne and and it gets it gets cloudy and cloudy, and it gets dark and darker uh, here in Louisville above the Yum Center. What is really going on with that Kenny Payne Louisville basketball program, Sean Myers? Uh,
1: you know, it, it is tough. Um, it, it has been tough. Um, you know, L- Louisville basketball is definitely um, in the midst of just a, a difficult spot. They're zero and eight. Um, they're heading on the road to take on one and nine FSU. Um, in my personal opinion, um, this is not going to be a happy trip down there. I know people think, okay, Florida State's 1-9, Louisville's 0-8. Louisville should have a shot. Um, Florida nope. State's been dealing with some injuries. They've been dealing with some suspensions. They've been dealing with a lot of things. They have been playing teams tough. They lost to Purdue, I think, by three points. Um, they had another game uh, in which they were right there uh, with the opposition and had an opportunity to beat uh, Virginia, number three Virginia. They lost by five. So you're talking about a couple of very narrow losses. To a couple of top 25 teams. This is a Florida State team that has been playing well, and we've known, you know, Leonard, Leonard Hamilton teams necessarily start slow, not this slow, um, but they have started slow. But at the end of the day, they're still playing competitive basketball. Um, I don't think it's going to be a happy time uh, this afternoon uh, for Louisville. Of course, that's going to be on the ACC network starting at 1 p.m. Um, so definitely check that out, and we'll have conversations about it at 21st in Germantown. But Jay, I don't think it's going to be um, a, a fun time for U of L. FSU uh, just to put in perspective uh, by Caesar Sportsbook is a ten-point favorite uh, at home over Louisville. So just because this team is one and nine, Louisville fans, I- I'm here to tell you um, this is not going to be an easy go of it uh, for U of L. And I do want to mention one thing just in regards to the uh, Deion Sanders thing before you get out of here, Jay. Uh, and we at, have had some conversations about that as well. One of the things that that truly frustrates me, De- Deion Sanders has probably brought more attention and raised the profile of HBCU football higher than anybody else over the last probably 50 years. I mean, we love everything that Eddie Robinson did uh, for HBCU, and he definitely has a place in the Hall of Fame and did a lot. But when you talk about the star power that is Deion Sanders and what he's meant to football both as a player um, and as a commentator and now as a coach – I personally think that everybody who's a part of HBCU should be a proud of what Deion did to help both – I mean, look at the, the changes that he's made in the, at Jackson State. Look at all the new facilities that's been built for Jackson State because of Prime coming there. Look at all the things that he's done to help raise the profile of all those teams. You talked about South Carolina State. I guarantee you more people watch South Carolina State football in that championship game facing off against Jackson State and Deion Sanders than they have in their history. Um, so what I'd like to see is, you know, Coach uh, – or excuse me uh, – Reverend Cosby coming out there hating on Deion because he left. You should be thanking Deion for his time at the HBCU level, the profile that he helped to raise, the fact that more talent came into HBCUs, more kids want to be a part of that. And just let's appreciate each other instead of always trying to tear somebody down. Eddie Robinson Jr., the way he did Deion when Deion tried to dap him up after Jackson State got a win earlier in the year, pushing him in the chest it and all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like ain't all, swag. all of that. All that hating—that's the problem. We got too much hating on each other instead of lifting each other up. i, I just—I had to say that because it, that I have hated the fact that they have hated on Dion. Dion got a raise, went from three hundred thousand dollars a year to five million dollars a year. There is not one of y'all listening on this radio, not one of y'all that was out there talking about him that would turn that down. So get off Dion. He did an awesome job at that school. He did an awesome job at the HBCU level. Appreciate and stop getting mad and hating all the time. I had appreciate to get that Myers. off my chest. I
4: appreciate Sean Mars and Haven Harrison. Thank you guys for hanging out ninety six one FM. And uh, I'm Jay Harris. I appreciate you guys. i see you guys later on this evening.
1: Yes, sir. All right, Jay, man. Have a good one, brother. There we go. look
2: at you. Look at you. Look at
1: You know, I'm going to say this. I like, mean, it just got
2: on but, my nerves, Haven. Me, but see, now here's the thing. Like, do I agree with what, like, Reverend Cosby and some of those other guys said? No, I, I don't agree with it. But I can understand where they're coming from.
1: You know what I'm saying? Haven, like,
2: if, if Dion had not gone to from. that
1: level, if Dion had not started there, there would be no one talking about HBCU football at all.
2: But now, now here's the thing. Right, now, now here's the thing. Like, even before – Dion got to Jackson State. ESPN has started picking up a little bit more, but no, you're right. The spotlight really got shown when when Dion arrived because Dion he's, he's Dion Dion Sanders. That's, that's what he does. That's what he does. But you know, and and I'm happy he went to the Colorado. You know, I, of course, everybody knows it's no secret that I was that I really wanted him to be coach of the University of Louisville. Uh, but hey. We got Jeff, so I'm happy with that. But he went to, uh, you know, to Colorado. I'm, I'm proud of the brother. Not only that, that he's picked up. Uh, he 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 got the brother from uh, Fort Valley State, another HBCU, to be his offense coordinator. Yeah. So he's bringing other coaches up because these guys, like I said before, once you once you start coaching football, at HBCU, it's it's almost impossible hey, to get out. Is
1: there any other coach at the HBCU level that would have gotten a five million dollar offer from Colorado that would have turned that down? No. Thank you. No, we'll take it. the end of the day. Hey, let's go ahead and go right back uh, to the uh, Wake Up 502 Buzz line, 384-1450. We got Wayne on the line with us. Wayne, how you doing this morning, brother?
0: Man, I'm doing good, Sean, and brother Haven. I'm listening as always. I appreciate I find it. it to be, I find it to be ridiculous. And let, Let's flip the script. Okay, in your profession, if there was another offer for you, who would fault you for taking another, another job? Same thing in any, prof- any profession. Anybody's always looking to better themselves. That's, that's what we do. And, and nobody's going to fault you for that. Okay, some of the statements uh, Sanders made, uh, iffy. But the thing of it is, he came to Jackson State, he did what he said he was going to do. Did he not? Yeah, he did. Did, did, he, not, did he not raise the profile for Jackson State? he did raise a profile, he got, him a, he got
2: him endorsements that they never would have gotten before.
0: Absolutely. Did he not do it in his own pocketbook and, 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 and put money into the facility?
2: He donated 50% of his salary back to build those facilities.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So all these people saying all this stuff, if you flip the script and, and you look at, look at your own situation, okay, if you had a chance to make more money and, and, it, and it worked for you, you would do it. Absolutely. And it's just like people. It's just like people take other jobs. They don't say nothing about it. It's always on the down low, and then they go. Then they go. But see, that's that's what. I, it's just like you alluded to earlier. Why do we hate on each other? It, instead of hating, let's congratulate. Yeah. Let's let's applaud with somebody somebody's accomplished. At the end of the day, he did all he could do at Jackson State. And, and and when you look at when you look at the the money issue, yeah, that's always that's why most people leave another job. They, it's all about the money. And and if he he's, I don't even know if he was making a half a million a year at Jackson's. No, he's making three hundred thousand exactly, dollars,
1: Wayne. He was making three hundred thousand exactly, dollars a year.
0: Exactly. When you go from three hundred thousand to over five million, who wouldn't do that? And I wouldn't. I wouldn't even give it a second thought. And you know you you. You, you do what you need to do, and he's proven himself to be accomplished. And at the end of the day, look, he didn't have no head coaching experience. Jackson State took a, took a chance on him. And what did he do for the school? Brought it more prestige, more donations. He did what he, he, did what he said he was going to do. And, 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 and anybody with common sense should have realized that man was not going to stay there forever. Now, it, it might have been different. If, if 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 they uh, if if he was making a million dollars, you 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 might have a different conversation, and, and that that's that's not a whole lot of money, but it would been more than it would probably been more than anybody else in the HBCU world is making.
2: Oh, way so you more! Got,
0: you got to, absolutely. So you got to look at it that way. The man get, had an opportunity and he took it. He tore over because he knew it was going to be backlash, but. What, regardless of how much backlash, like, and I'm I really kind of surprised that Dr. Cosby though know, saying that. I, I mean, it, it, it's just like, okay, you know he's making you, you know he's making a grip with St. Stephen, so he ain't he ain't trying and, and and what he's getting from Simmons, he ain't he ain't trying to take no cut. Well, him that, <laughs> that since we can talk about that, let's let's get real. You know, I you know I keep it real. Ask him that. I, Dr. Cosby, would you take, a, would you take a, a, a reduction in your salaries? Absolutely not. Because you want to try to continue to preserve the lifestyle that you, you, you become accustomed to. But, but everybody just spouts out, you know, he, and the thing about Dion his, his, his star power was, was crazy. And, and, and just by him going to Jackson State, he, he, showed, he showed he had a care and a love. For the HBCU, and he did what he could do. He did what he said he was going to do. Yeah, and I don't know why people leave that out. He, look, twenty-seven and five went over three years or whatever it was. That's impressive. What other coach did? What other coach did that? Even when you go back, you can. I can go back. You know, I always go back. Go back to the days when Peyton was there. Yeah, Walter Peyton. Yeah, they didn't do that, and, and Walter Peyton was all that. Absolutely. And you do that with what, what he has accomplished, Let, let's talk about. It. See, people, people, you know, we 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 always end up with, with 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 selective amnesia. We remember what we want to remember and recall what we want to recall. That's what we do as people. But the the thing of it is, I'm I'm happy for the man. I'm not hating on him. He's he's on an opportunity, and it, you got to take it. And it's just like I will give another good example. It's just like a kid. If if he I mean have buddies. They always debate about this. If a kid has a chance to be a first round draft pick and he's in college, he leaves early. Well, he needs to get it. You can always go back and get the education, but you can't always make millions. Let's look right. at it. Let's look. It's about the money. Yeah. It's the So you take it. You, when, you're, when it's given to you, you get the opportunity to take it, you take it. And you can always go back and get the education. But the thing is that when you take that and make that decision, you got to make sure you're surrounded by good people as opposed to the leeches that people will use you and anger owners. You gotta you have you gotta have trustworthy folk. But Sean sure that you know, I just had to get that when I'm listening. I'm saying this is crazy. But you sure <laughs> to call in I appreciate people, you know, it. Wayne. The perspective. I, and, and I'll just say one of thing. and I think, I read the text uh last week I didn't get back. What do you think about the nine million dollar man? Can you believe that? The down nine at, down at down at your school <laughs> <laughs> Give that man nine million. That's ludicrous. Hey, nine million. He ain't won nothing. He had two seasons with ten wins. He never. He never got in the BCS bowl. So what has he done? Yeah, just warrant 9 million. Yeah, but it hey. wasn't nobody calling for it. But I, you know, I don't hate on nobody. If you can get it, take it. Yeah, I, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad for anybody that can get what they want. But Sean. You know you my man and you you and you and Haven.
1: Yes sir. Oh
0: and I, I it's closing out. What, what'd you think about the football choice?
1: I I you, you? you know, I mean I, I think that Jeff Brom, there there could not have been a more perfect uh choice. Uh, for Louisville football, honestly, Absolutely. Wayne. I, I think it's perfect. I'm super, super excited to, to, you know, see how this whole thing comes together. But the, the energy's back, man. It definitely gives us something to pay attention to uh, since the basketball Absolutely. ain't being nice to us, you know?
0: <laughs> right. And, and, and that, will, that will come around. You know what I told you about that last time. I don't get too high or too low. I'm just waiting. Once he's got the people he needs, it's going to be a whole different story. It's going to take time. He told you that from the beginning. So when he said that from the beginning, I, I but I didn't think it was going to be this bad though. But he told <laughs> you from the jump what it was going to be. So I don't know why people belly aching and tripping. Yeah. He told you from the jump what it was going to be. Yeah, but, people forget stuff, what? but you know that's that's how we do as people. Yes, sir. But I'm, I'm gonna get off of here. And let, let 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 somebody else try to get in. But Sean and 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 uh, uh, Haven and and Joe wherever he may be, you know, you guys are the best. You you my guys. And at it, the end of the day, what we, we always got to say, man, go cards, and I appreciate you. I love y'all, man. And if I don't get to talk, well, no, I ain't, I ain't gonna say if I don't get because I know if i to talk to you again before the next holiday. Absolutely, Absolutely. There you You better come down, <laughs> come down to your place, man.
1: I Absolutely. appreciate it, Wayne.
0: <laughs> All right, man. Y'all have a nice one. Thanks, guys.
1: I, have a good one, brother. <laughs> my, my man, Wayne. Hey, hey, did you hear who Dion uh, added as his defensive coordinator? Who? Oh, you didn't hear. Mike Zimmer, former Vikings head coach, is literally coaching the defense at Colorado. Like, hey, primetime, baby. <laughs> I was like, that, like, that's how you do it, man. Like, Mike Zimmer is literally going to be coaching at Colorado with prime D. Primetime. But crazy. so you know what?
2: Look, look we got like. 4 minutes before the break.
1: Yeah, we got we got some more text to get to. I I, I wanted to uh, get, get to texts. Well, hold on, hold on before you yes get sir. to Yes sir. Yes sir. Absolutely. We got to talk at least a little bit of a little
2: of basketball. They suck. They're going to lose. Okay, we did that. We talked about a little basketball.
1: Let's let's continue on to text. <laughs> yes sir. Thank you. Yes. We 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 gave y'all the the basketball minute, which is about all they're worth right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. You can't, you can't break it down. You know you what's know going to happen. They'll be competitive for the first 15 minutes. And they'll forget
2: <laughs> to play basketball the last 20 minutes. Yes,
1: that's all we need. Like we, We've already <laughs> seen it. There's no analysis needed. Yes, and they'll
2: uh, lose between 15 and 30 points.
1: That's, that's all they get. Uh, let's get clear out these texts. So first text says uh, into the uh, uh, Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450, uh, uh, says, Brahms running back coach Chris Barclay is a Louisville male product who played um, a year or two before Michael Bush. Chris is also Wake Forest all-time leading rusher, great young coach on the rise. The future is bright. Uh, Prius, bring Cooley back. Uh, he said, "Hey, Rashawn, this is Joe, A.K.A. Uh, New Rhyme from uh, Twitter. What's up, Joe? Man, I appreciate you checking in, and I appreciate you texting uh, a- into the show as well. Keep listening, man. Uh, he, uh, you know, he, he he's uh, coming with some great takes this morning. So we need more of that, Joe. Uh, stick with us. Thank you so much. Um, also, texter uh, text in as well. Um, says I can't wait until next year. I'm going to Atlanta uh, when we play Georgia Tech. Uh, we will be there as well. It you know. <laughs> uh, says we should win that game." Then you beat Murray State at home. Then you go up, beat Indiana, Sit, uh, sitting us at 3-0 and and probably ranked. I think we can beat Notre Dame at home and take care of business on the road. We could be 10-2 or 11-1 uh, in year one under Brown. Uh, you know what? This is a very, very favorable schedule. And if Louisville can bring in a kid like Austin Reed to be that one-year holdover until a guy like Pierce Clarkson is ready, um, with the transfer portal and with the ability to immediately induce a lot of talent and and, and bring that influx of talent and mesh that with what you already have, I definitely think Louisville can have a very successful year uh, under Brom, year one. What do you think about that? I I don't know if ten and two, eleven and one, good, but I I definitely think eight or nine wins could be a possibility.
2: Oh, easy, easy, eight or nine wins next year.
1: Yeah, like I and I I think that with Brahms' pedigree and, and what Louisville can do, and just the fact that the ACC isn't that great, and Louisville has an extremely favorable schedule. All of their road games are very much manageable. I think their most difficult road game is a road game at Miami, and you know that's uh, Chris Ball really doesn't have things rolling yet. Uh, at Miami like that, and then your two most difficult games versus Kentucky and Notre Dame are both um, here uh, at Cardinal Stadium. So, you know, I-, I think there's definitely a lot of opportunity. It gets me it gets me a little excited, Haven, to think about what they can well, do. It gets
2: me very excited, especially that, oh, that first game in Jordan, in Atlanta. Oh, I can't wait.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. This this texter who I completely don't know, texted into the text line. Great passion and spot on about Deion Sanders and the HBCU programs um, as a Howard U alum rock. Or uh, he says, raise the, the black man's profile up. Love you, son. That was my dad. If y'all didn't know. <laughs> he went to Howard. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. H.U. That's what's up. You know, it. you know, it. the, 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 the Bison's. You know what I'm saying so. Some spice on the mascot. Man. Hey, come on now! I know a little, little, about a little. I don't know a lot about a lot, but I know a little about a whole lot of things. <laughs> but you know what? I I, I will
2: say this by, by HBCU by HBCU football. Yes, sir. Specifically, FAMU football. If you've never been to an HBCU game, you owe it to yourself to go down to Tallahassee, Florida. Oh, yes, sir. And watch an HBCU football game. Now I'm going to tell you: when you get there, you want to get there a little early for the tailgating experience.
1: But you want to stay late for the band after the U of L FSU game? Haven took me over there to uh, to fam uh, to to watch the game. I thought it, it was such a big party. I thought it was like homecoming or something. Haven was like, "No, that's just the Saturday, bro." <laughs> like the food vendors and just the energy around the stadium and the battle of the bands and just the pageantry. Like, whew. Like, unbelievable. So yes, if you ever get the opportunity, yeah, Louisville fans, when you go and make that trip down to Tallahassee. Take the time to go by – I don't know what the name of the stadium is. Bragg Stadium. Bragg. Go to Bragg Stadium. Come down there. If, if fam is playing a home game, do yourself – a, uh, a treat and a service go down there and get to the game if you can make it, it is an absolute party the food around the stadium is great uh, and it's just an absolute party but you know what, we're going to go ahead and hit this break when we come back on the other side of Wake Up 502 we'll be talking to Leanne Herring uh, don't have any picks this week but we have plenty to talk about uh, so we're going to chit chat with uh, Leanne and do much much more you're listening to Wake Up 502 Big X Sports Radio 96.1 FM Rashana Haven and we'll be back Love each Music means it's about that time. Coming in, we're welcoming to Wake Up Five Hundred Two with Rashawn, Leanne, Harry. Leanne, how you doing this morning?
3: Doing good, doing good. I think this is probably going to be a little different segment, but it's kind of nice to kind of take it back to what I, when I first came on, when Jay has had me on that first show, when we just first came out, so it's kind of nice to to not uh, not be talking so many picks and actually get to talk a little ball and NIL and football, because it's been a crazy week out in the state of Kentucky for college football nonetheless, but I know there's a lot of happy card fans, I know there's a lot of happy uh Wildcat fans, with those coaching hires
1: that are heading that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not only is Jeff Brom now the coach at uh, at U of L, but Liam Cohen is coming back as the offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, for for the Cats once again. Uh, things didn't necessarily go as planned uh, with the uh, with the Rams <laughs> this year, so uh, Liam decided to go ahead and head back to the Bluegrass. So everybody's got a little something. But I tell you what, Leanne, I think the Kentucky folks are a little nervous about Jeff Brom. Uh, you know, taking over. Scott Satterfield was the punching bag, Leanne, so <laughs> I, I think that's yeah, sad the punching bag gone.
3: Yeah, it's gonna be an interesting well like anything. I mean we saw with, with the with Satterfield, you know Going over, you know, going over to other programs. You know, like anything, what happens? You're gonna, your coaches are gonna walk, kids are gonna walk because you know, a lot of people talk about NIL in this day and age. It's important. A lot of people talk about the bag, of course, unless you're Deion Sanders. You don't need the bag. It's not about the bag, (laughs) but anyway. And you know, and and but at the end of the day, it does really come down to relationships. So you know, you got a lot of fans and everything that they can't take it heart to heart when some of these kids walk, when some of these coaches walk, because you know they build relationships. They they have because the connection. At the end of the day, it's about the connection, the relationships. You know, Absolutely. and but but I think that I think the Cards came out with a heck of a deal. It was I obviously was hard to lose, lose top recruits. Obviously, like Ruben Owens, who you know ended up staying home at at Texas A and M, and that'll be interesting to see how that goes. But at the end of the day. I think I think the state of Kentucky as far as the chaos in the coaching carousel won big this week. because um, I think with the slim pickings are out there, you know, and, and the way things go, there's just that high demand I think Rashawn that we can see it in this day and age to win at all costs, yeah. you know. And so and you can you can sign a contract for six years or even four years with with the with the big bucks, but at the end of the day if you're not producing, you're out. You know, so, so you can sign for the longevity. doesn't mean you're going to stick it around for the longevity. But I think it was two great hires um, for, for, um, for Kentucky and for the state of Kentucky and their two programs. And I think, I think with those two hires, uh, I think especially for the Louisville folks, it's always hesitant, even, even with the hire like Jeff Brom, you know, the roots and everything, it's still hesitation because there, there's that want and that need for, for the Cardinals to win again. You know, and, and to use that talent that they have because you've seen it, and we've talked about it all season. Uh, there's an immense amount of talent on that on that roster, even with kids walking. So you just need that coach, and maybe Brown will finally be that coach, the hometown kid that can bring it back to its glory. So it'll be interesting to watch.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, with, with, with the transfer portal being what it is, you can see, watch a team and a program kind of completely flip. I mean, look at USC. USC went from, you know, middling nowhere um, to now, you know, the knocking on the door of the college football playoff. I mean, that, that that's the world we live in. So I think there's definitely a, a lot more pressure to get that done. And, and to that end, what do you think about Texas A&M, not only getting the commitment of Ruben Owens, but then announcing that they're they're you know kicking the tires on bringing back Bobby Petrino. What, what what's that? You know what 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 is the, the the thought process beside that? Do you think people down there are, you know do they like that? You know the you know I know A and M had a a less than spectacular season, got off to a, a horribly rocky start. Um, you know, and Jimbo seems like he's in desperation mode right now.
3: I think you have to be in desperation mode because I think in Texas A&M and those Aggies down there, those boosters, I'll tell you, whether whether you're a Longhorn or you're an Aggie, um, between those two programs, those boosters are old school. They don't play. They want to win. They're, gonna, they're willing to invest. They're going to go hard, but if they're not going to prove they don't care if you're Jimbo Fisher, they don't care how many titles you won. They don't care about that at the end of the day. If you're not doing what they want you to do, then they're going to make it tough for you, and I think Jimbo Fisher is going and finding his roots. He's going Back to you know not reinventing the wheel because there is so much talent down in in Texas A and M right now. That twenty three class kids like Donovan Green that have are you're just barely seeing what they want. And Ruben Owen's committing down there. You know that's going to bring a lot of talent. That, that's that's going to bring a lot of their kids right now. And that's what we're seeing. And I don't know if you've seen it a lot. I know with basketball and everything going on, it's really hard to, to see about the football with high school. But it's also bringing a lot of the the top high school recruits. They're kind of like they were. I mean these some of these kids have been committed since last year and now they're like well let me go test out the water do I want to go try the college station because we saw you know we saw the last week the mass exodus of top players of top players that were leaving Texas A&M and I think yeah. that, I think uh, that Jimbo Fisher like you said he's in hurry up mode he's got to figure up something faster he's going to be gone You know, it's not going to be any hard feelings, but it's going to be business. And that's what I think Jimbo Fisher is trying to see. What do I need to do to get back there? Because I think that's the thing with Texas A&M. And that's what I say with a lot of programs. That's what I said, you know, when Auburn was trying to hire Lane. You can hire a hot coach or you can offer a big NIL deal to a five-star kid, but it's got to be a fit at the end of the day. You cannot – just because a kid and a coach are successful at a high-powered SEC program, you can give them all the money in the world, but, again, money can't, money can't buy love. It can buy affection. It doesn't buy results. You know, if you don't have the right game plan, if you don't have the thing. And I think that's what we saw at Texas A&M. You know, regardless of of the money and everything or, you know, the back and forth that you see constantly, the denial, the not. There's boosters that are boosting those NIL funds. Like across the country, this ain't just Texas A&M. This is happening at the small school over in the Midwest. We just don't talk about it as much. So, I, I just, like I said, but we saw exactly. I mean, it was very, it was, I think that I've seen so many, even at Ole Miss, there's just a lot of players that are just making that exodus because at the end of the day I think these players, it's no hard feelings and I think the fans have to remember that when you lose players, when you lose coaches they've done with what they can do with that program and at the end of the day you do not if you're going to build a solid future championship team or even to con- be a contender you don't want kids that don't want to be there. You don't want to be, have coaches that are going to be there. Mm-hmm. But I was really surprised to see all the kids leaving A&M. But at the end of the day, those kids want to go where they're going to have playing. I feel like there's a lot of chaos that we don't see that's going on behind A&M. But I think that if Jimbo Fisher can get back with Bobby, you know, get back to those roots the way they used to. Take it old school. Get some discipline. I think we're going to see a lot because they have a lot of talent and weapons coming up. And I think with some some of these kids that we're going to see, and I wouldn't be surprised if if Jimbo Fisher goes, leans, he's going to take some kids to the portal. But I wouldn't be surprised if we're going to see some of these elite teams that have these max esque's of of um, players that they're going to go back to getting some of their top talent, in state talent, because there's a lot of in talent in the state of Houston. That's what we see with the portal. I mean, the portal is great in everything, but yeah. how many times, and I mean, how many times do we see now that? That it's become now like with the NFL, like free agency. There's a couple of kids i um, like that I've I've heard with coaches and stuff and everything. They're like, we, we would love to take those kids because they're talented, but they've already transferred a couple times. You know, so let's yeah, not to say that they. And so I feel like as much as I I think the portal does well for programs like Old Miss and everything, if you know how to work it right, I think at the end of the day, we're going to have to, we're going to have to go back to the roots and we're going to have to really put some focus on high school recruiting. I think as far as coaches, like I said, they're not paying me the six figures. They're not paying, but I'm saying for what I see on the recruiting trail, what I see, there's a lot of young talent that you can build upon. And, um, and I, and I think that'll be interesting if we don't see some of these programs go back to try to get some of these high school players. Because, like I said, in the state of Houston, I mean, in the state of Texas, in Houston alone Jimbo Fisher has a ton of talent and I'm not just talking four star and five star I'm talking about programs like Louisville programs like Kentucky and I'm not just saying this because of Texas I'm saying this there's just something about Houston Houston also in Georgia a lot of kids out there a lot of high school kids coming up a lot of 25s a lot of 24s that if you're not a coach you should be out there watching some of these kids because you don't know them yet but I mean they're massive kids, and they just got talent. So I feel like Jimbo Fisher might take it back to the roof and start building from those programs because I think, I mean, I just see that there might be a shift of that because I think people are kind of realizing, Rashawn, in the portal, it's, it's, a, it's a Band-Aid. You yep. get talented players, but, you know, a lot of them, the older kids, are they going to stay? Are they going to go to NFL, you know? So there's a lot to think about.
1: Absolutely. No, I I totally agree with you. I think they said on average uh, last year, um, teams were losing somewhere in the neighborhood of seven to nine players per team on average. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the the portal has definitely changed the math on it. And and I I love it just because kids are taking uh, their opportunity now that NIL is a thing and NIL is a uh, is a viable option you know these kids have to go and, and look for the, the the best opportunity but I do think it's interesting that you talk about maybe taking more of the in-state kids because you know there's more of an affinity and more of a a, a love and a passion for the university so there's an opportunity to you know maybe hold on to those guys uh, and have those fo- you know those folks be a little bit more dedicated because when you're do- you know dealing with the best of the best the guys like the Reuben Owens uh, you know and DeAndre Moore and and even Pierce Clarkson's you know these guys are, are looking for for an opportunity to cash in. So, you know, I I can see maybe taking maybe a a three-star guy, you know, or or a couple more three-star guys from inside the state because maybe they're just happy for the opportunity. They may have a little bit more um, devotion to the program than maybe a kid that's maybe a higher-level kid, but he's coming from across the country or from another state that, you know, they're much more likely to jump. So I I do think that's interesting. Hey, what do you think?
2: No, I mean, I, I definitely agree. Uh, with that state, because like, right now you're seeing what's almost become like a, a free for all. It's almost like NFL free agency, almost with college football. Right? Because yeah. like Alabama's losing players like left and right. I think what Clemson lost were like 15 guys. Yeah, that entered a portal from Clemson, and what that really does that affects your program stability because you have a lot of these guys are like they're not backups. Like some of these guys are starters. You know, guys who are definitely in a two-deep rotation, who get a like significant playing time, and they're leaving your program. So it's like next man up. But, man, you, you invested significant resources and time getting these guys ready, getting them in your system and everything else just to lose them after a year or two. That, that's devastating for some programs.
1: Yeah, no, I know. I, t- I totally agree. I mean, it, it's definitely a changing landscape and I think you have to embrace it. You know, that that's kind of one of the things when we uh, chat about Kenny, even though this is not necessarily basketball specific, but, you know, just talking about Kenny's, uh, uh, you know, seemingly being averse to talking about the NIL and, uh, you know, seemingly not really understanding the, the, the way to utilize the portal. I think that the coaches both in basketball and in football that understand how to utilize the NIL and how to utilize the transfer portal, you're gonna be in a in a lot, you know, more advantageous situation. And and guy like uh, you know, Brian Kelly uh, and, and we talked about Lincoln Riley leaving from Oklahoma and going to USC. I think those are two coaches that understood that they had to change to be able to stay effective because I think that's what, you know, at the end of the day, uh, when you talk about Nick Saban, the Saban that's been the biggest thing that's kept him on top, right, is the fact to be uh, malleable and, and to be able to uh, ch- make changes either on the field or on the way the game is played or recruited or anything else. I think that's one of the biggest parts of why Saban's
3: been so effective, don't you think?
2: Oh, definitely one of the biggest no. reasons.
3: No, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and like, and like you say, at the end of the day, you can have all the resources, you can have all the nice facilities, all the top talent, but it, but I'll I'll say it, you know, and, until I'm blue, blue in space, it's a it's a hundred percent a fit. It, it's like you said, a coach can only do so much at a program, a player can be so much at the program, and a lot of these kids nowadays with NIL and how it works, they all go together. You know, you got your star quarterback. He goes, well, we want to keep this relationship going. So this, you know, Clemson's recruiting me, Georgia's recruiting me, but a part of these NIL packages is that people don't realize I want to bring my boys with me because you want this chemistry. Well I need my wide receivers. I need my tight ends. I need this offensive line. That's what a lot of that's this conversation that doesn't get brought up a lot because you they wonder why some of these kids champion for their other kids because that's how programs are affected. I mean we saw it we you know we saw with Jamar Chase and, and Burroughs. You know, no one brought that up a lot but now they see it in the NFL because there was already that connection. They wondered why that that was an instant thing. Well they had already had that chemistry at L S U. You know, mm-hmm. so a lot of times, it's, you know, it's not just about the money. It's like I want to bring my boy. I want, It's just like the NFL. You know, I want to bring my people with me. You want to sign me. I want to bring my people with me. And that's what a lot of things too. That's going to be another key thing that I'll that'll be real interesting to see is you know how many how many kids, especially at the quarterback, especially on you know a lot of things. Because I think when you're in the quarterback position and when you're getting recruited for that, I've seen it a lot lately here in the SEC. You know, a lot of these kids they're, they worry about their offensive line and linemen, like who's protecting me in front. You you know i got my receiving guys I, you got you got a heck of receiving but who's protecting me up front you know so that's there's a lot of interesting storylines but you know you bring about basketball and, and nil and And one of the things, you know, when I was in Kentucky and when I first started covering, you know, and all that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. that I wish that some of these football coaches would call up some of these basketball coaches because, you know, I think (laughs) basketball is really where I learned how, how, you know, it's been happening for a long time now. It's legal, you know, and if anybody knows how to transition and how to deal with it, like you said, and and make it work and, and, you know, it's always going to be there, but it's just like, I feel like, I feel like the elite basketball coaches, especially in the state of Kentucky, they have learned how to, navigate recruiting That's and now have, and now legally have NIL and make it work. Yeah. Still get star players still be able to do it but not let that be the central focus and I think right now we're seeing because you got these high school kids that are elite and then you, they're competing with these portal kids uh, who already have experience and all that. And that's the biggest play a lot of these programs want. They're trying to fill the gaps because they see their kids transferring out in mass exodus. They're losing coaches that have built relationships with these high school recruits. So where do they go? You know, but, the, but it's just an interesting navigation how this is going to be.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I, 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 the, as we turn uh, to the uh, NFL, I do want to get your thoughts. I know normally you're doing the college picks, but of course, with us getting prepped for uh, bowl season and things getting going uh, next weekend when, when U of takes on uh, Cincinnati up at the fin- at the Fenway Bowl, um, do want to talk a little NFL with you? Now, of course, my Raiders did uh, find a way to crap the bed and and. And lose to Baker Mayfield, who had only been there for uh, a, about a set time to eat a sandwich <laughs> with the char. I, mean, no, and, no, with the I was looking at that score. Oh. I was
3: looking at that score, and, oh. and the Rams just had it, like, like you said, there's just, it just hasn't gone out the way the Rams planned out. I didn't think it was gonna. I think I didn't think it was gonna be. But then I thought, I was like, Why are they made it by a point. You oh. know, and that's what we're oh. seeing in the NFL. Some of these lines, some of these games, it's crazy. I mean, there's a lot of in-state, a lot of in-state, cross-state rivalries going on this week, so it's gonna be an interesting week in the nfl but i mean it's still it's still a long road ahead you know to the super bowl so a lot could happen
1: yes yeah, so it's crazy i mean almost me and haven were talking about it earlier it seems like the almost the whole league is around 500 you know there's teams you know a couple games over 500 teams a couple games below 500 haven you said that the raiders are still in the playoff chase right now i mean it's, it's crazy. C- it's right? It's insane. Like yeah, like what what game what games uh, haven are are, are is sticking out to you or, or what what do you what are you oh, looking for? This easy, weekend?
2: Ravens and Steelers.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean the Lamar Jacksonless Raiders. Like yeah, what does that look like going against the Steelers? Now you know I think the Ravens are still you know kind of in control of the division, but
1: now yeah, I mean Bengals are right there. Bingo, Bengals, the Bengals have made are a there. run, and
2: the Steelers have not been as bad. Since they got rid of Mitch Trubisky, thank goodness.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, absolutely. No, I, I think the Ravens-Steelers are probably, um, you know, the, the biggest question mark because you don't know what the Ravens are going to look like. That defense is a lot better, um, you know, so you, you wonder if they can get it done. Le'Anne, what, what is kind of your, uh, you, you know, your game of the week or in the NFL? What, what are you thinking?
3: Well, I like I have that Ravens and, and uh, Steelers game. I think that that's going to be an interesting and like. And like y'all said, it that that Ravens obviously. I mean, we know how that offense is going to operate. But again, yeah. we also have to talk about when you have those high-powered offenses. The home stretch as you're getting ready players, I mean, if you look at the injury list of some of these rosters, I mean it can change it. you lose one player you lo- you lose a lot, and it changes the game. I think that's what we're going to see a lot this weekend. Um, you know how they are they going to change the game plan, but I like the Ravens this one I, I think I had it out as a is there the two point underdog? I feel yeah. like this week is going to be a lot of underdogs, also of course that that Cleveland Cincinnati game, uh five points and uh, you know. Uh, underdog of uh, Cleveland and Bengals. I, I like the Bengals in that one. I feel like it's that time. I feel like they're trying to get the flow. But at the end, it, it's just it's just right now. It's like I said. I haven't I haven't spent so much time on NFL mm-hmm. uh, lately. But, uh, but like I said, I like that. I like the ba- I like the Bengals even at five and a half. I mean that's a lot of points. But I feel like I, I feel like they're getting in the flow. And I think now is that time of urgency. Um, and I, I feel like there's that need to be Cleveland. And there's just all those. I always talk about those outside factors. You know you can talk about how last week's game, but I think the biggest thing we're going to see is which teams are going to be able to make the adapt and adjust from week to week. How how they play, what did we do last week that was good? What did we do last week that was wrong? And it's just, it's just that simple. I think sometimes we try to overcomplicate it because we see the lines and everything. Last week's storylines are going are gonna to not affect this week's storyline, so I like the Bengals in that one, even for five and a half points to cover at home, I just and um, another game that I was looking at that's kind of interesting is, is that Jacksonville Titans game, the Jackson, the Jags are, uh, you know, the underdog at three and a half, of course they're playing in Nashville the the Jaguars have just been one of those teams that, that it's just really interesting to see, like some weeks I take them, some weeks I don't, because they're kind of I don't know what to think about Jacksonville and their talent, because they always find a way kind of to get in there, to kind of be there and they didn't have a start a strong season so that's another one I, I like I like Jacksonville to cover on that one mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, the Texans and the Cowboys man you know I know the Cowboys are playing a lot better I grew up around Te- you know the Cowboys and everything but that seventeen point favorite I get that they're playing Jerry well <laughs> I get that but I just, right. I mean I was really surprised to see that line that's in the NFL. that's, like, that's was, a college
1: that's spread right that's a lot
3: of points that's a lot of points <laughs> and and you know that's a game I looked at I'm like man it's like it's like Ohio it's like Ohio State getting on all those points, you know, um, and I, I feel like I, I feel like I'm Nick Saban right now, you know, trying to get Alabama in there with the megaphone, you know, champion for for. I'm just like, really, are we doing that? So that's another game I like, you know. Uh, I like the Texans. Uh, Texans uh, covering for seventeen points, even on the road in, in in Arlington and everything. So those are a few games I was looking at this week. Um, I didn't know if there's any other games that you like, um, no. but those are kind of the ones I'm looking at. The Raven, I li- like. I said, I like the Ravens. I like the Texans um, to cover, and uh, of course, I think the Bengals. I, I, you know, that five and a half doesn't seem like they yeah. But like I said, these games get so close now. I mean, Absolutely. look at what happened. Like you said, Vegas Rams a point. You know, and it's just like uh, I don't know it the Bengals to cover. It. It it, you know, do I want to take the money line
1: i don't know no that's that's, that's a good point no i, I that's absolutely perfectly and but i definitely appreciate it. i know we're <laughs> up against it but thank you so much let everybody know where they can uh, li- listen there or check out everything uh that you're doing one more time before you get out of here
3: uh, they can always find my stuff out at rebelwalk.com. They can follow us for all SEC stuff. If you're old Miss fans in Kentucky, uh, at Rebel, at the TheRebelWalk on Twitter. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter for our, our Sunday picks at Ms. KYUS 2011
1: There we go. Well, Leanne Herring, appreciate it. We'll chat with you next week, all right?
3: Sounds good. Sounds good.
1: There we go. Thank you so much. There we go. Leanne Herring coming in strong as yes, she always does. Haven, I tell you what, man. Today has been a show of shows, brother. Like like, you know, I I have enjoyed this conversation. Like it, it was it was a lot of great conversation going on this week. Um, you know, we got cut, touched a lot of points. And Haven, as you asked, we didn't have to talk about basketball. Hey, well, you know what? Thank you guys for all your texts, all your calls. Uh, You know, we will be back strong next week. Make sure you come out today, 21st of Germantown, 1481 South Shelby Street for game day 502. We'll be out there talking about basketball aftermath. For Haven Harrington, this is Rashawn Myers. CZ is one, two, three. We out.